I'm so happy to see you. I am Sophia. I've been waiting for you. Searched all over the city of Croft to find you. You must have questions. Geppetto will have answers. But we have to find him first. He was last seen on Elysian Boulevard. All of Croft is dangerous for humans. And that neighborhood is one of the scariest. Please find Geppetto on Elysian Boulevard. I'll explain more once you find him. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? It's going tonight, Dave. Boy, howdy. That's, that is fair. With a boy howdy on the end, too. I mean, how else are you going to greet the boys? Mm -hmm. You have to greet the boys before you kiss the boys. Right. Mm -hmm. Common courtesy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I heard, uh, I've heard the song before, but it came up on some compilation. It was a TF2 compilation thing I, I saw. It's just like it's the song that's like uh, just my fellas or something like that over. Oh, and over. yeah, yeah. It's like I can't remember. There's another word. And then my fellas. I don't remember it. I think it's all my fellas. All my fellas. That's or it. where my fellas or something. Yeah. yeah, I've seen it with uh, short videos for a lot of Lethal Company edits. Mm -hmm. It's usually with a gang of loot bugs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, Yeah, no, it's uh. You know, you do what you got to, you know, you do what you got to. It's true. And sometimes that is uh, even play a video game. We don't do that much anymore. We're both, you know, grown adults. Um, spend a lot of time in the office playing poker. Well, you're grown. I'm still 5'5". Five five. <laughs> <laughs> Between the two of us, we're one grown adult. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, uh, I guess... We've had a little bit of a resurgence recently in actually playing and covering games. Um, and I thought, what better game to actually catch up on than one that came out a while ago, I think. Uh, I don't know if I remember. When Do you know when Lies of P actually came out? Because you played no, it like uh, <laughs> Was that the last year? It has to be. I imagine. Yeah. I'm looking this up in in real time. Uh, September, September of last year. That's pretty recent, I think. Yeah, it's within a year. We've we've covered we've covered games later, um, for sure, or older for sure. Um, here's the question, and this is the sort of thing that we usually cover beforehand. Um, given that it came out in September, do you think there's anyone listening to this who has not played Lies of, uh, Lies of P that will play Lies of P and thus may be dis disinterested in hearing spoilers? Fuck them. Um, <laughs> That's our usual stance, yeah. Always assume there's going to be like a bit of spoilers for talking about something because we can't talk about everything in pure vagities. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually have to get into some of the meat. That's fair. Yeah. I'd be good going full spoilers on this. Maybe have like a cutoff towards the end where we talk about end game yeah, things. Yeah, I don't we don't need to go into deep lore stuff. Um yeah. 
if we make that jump, we'll we'll notify people before we make the jump for the deep lore. Um, but you had the the honor of playing Lies of P first, I think. Um, not just between us, like in general, the first person to play the game. So going into it, if I can if I if I can talk about your credentials for a second, I know you play a lot more souls like games than I do, and you also follow them. Um, nobody plays as many as Iron Pineapple. I'm not stating that, but like it comes out, it has that that souls like glamour, and you're at least aware of it a lot more than I am. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, it's because I watch Iron Pineapple videos typically. <laughs> that's um, fair. Also, some of them just kind of like get, um, they kind of get into the the ecosystem a little bit of YouTube where I will watch some Souls-related videos, some Smash-related videos. Mm-hmm. Other things will come up with video games. And also, everyone kept memeing on it saying, oh, it's Pinocchio Souls. Yes. Or uh, Pinocchio Bloodborne. Everyone's like, okay, that's what it is in our heads. Right. Uh, same thing as like Dark Souls with guns for Remnant. Um so yeah, I was definitely aware of it for a time, and I was kind of waiting initially for reviews to come in mm-hmm. before hopping on. Um, Do you know how this game reviewed? As a follow up question, I assume pretty well. Yeah. If you had to give it, if you had to use the the curse scale of one to ten, what do you what do you think its uh, its average reviews were roughly? Because I I have those numbers right in front of me. <laughs> uh, I'm leaning eight and a half. That's incredibly close. That's very, very close. So PC uh, was 83 on Metacritic, which is basically eight and a half. Um, and if you were guessing for Xbox, it's even closer to 84. Um, and a lot of pl- places, yeah, just gave it eights, you know, a couple higher scores. Uh, Eurogamer gave it like three out of five stars, but it's impossible to appease Europeans. They don't like anything. All they do True. is make fun of other people's food. So, <laughs> like, um so very close uh now is that how you felt about the game going into it you're like this is going to be an 8.5 experience i think i didn't know what it was going to be um but just hearing some of the reviews about things i'm like i mean it seems to be pretty well received Mm -hmm. whereas stuff like there was one about like the french revolution Mm. that also had automata um i want to say it's like steel rising or something oh i forget what it's called um but that was such a blip because i saw like a single video on it and then nobody ever talked about it again Uh uh-huh so i was a little more thinking it was be a a promising endeavor Mm -hmm. uh, since it did have a lifespan right and also is free on game pass i'm like yo that does help that does (laughs) let me let me hit that up i'm not sure if it was a day one or not for game pass but it was definitely very early it probably was um day one um so that does help. You know, you get to try something out and kind of the old, uh, if you go back long enough, and this is probably going to alienate part of our audience. Um, people used to have like demos for games. And and if you go back a little bit longer, you're like, some of those demo discs might have been in cereal boxes, right? I think we talked about that at one point. Um, in some ways, Game Pass lets you demo a game that is just the full game, right? Like you have the option mm-hmm. to just drop it if it's not engaging for you. But you don't have any sunk cost that you need to keep playing it if it's bad because you just downloaded it. That was the cost you paid, right? Um, plus, I mean, the subscription, but... It's, yeah, but it's it's nominal in the case of... Let's say you only played one game a month, one mm-hmm. full-price game. 
you're saving 50 bucks a month then. Yeah. Yeah. Effectively. Um, which is nice. But I will say, um, just from like watching some of the videos, the the art style and the aesthetic really got me. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this looks good. Um, whereas some of the other things like Steel Rising or... I really wish I had watched Iron Pineapple recently to be like, oh, here are the other Souls-like games. Yeah. Um, but if some just... of them just felt kind of, I don't know, not as clo- not as polished. Yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, here's R&D for a game or a small studio. And it comes closer to like PS3. Right. Um, it doesn't feel as modern or as smooth as it could be. I think that's Whereas this very much felt like a modern experience. Oh, yeah. It's very put together. Um, I will spoil a little bit of my impressions um, coming to this game so late. I actually, I had a good time with the game. I was like, this is a good time. And then in retrospect, a lot, a lot of times once I finish a game, I think about it a little bit. And I was like, I don't know if that game was really as good as I <laughs> thought at the moment, but I was caught up in it. With Lies of P, I've actually kind of had an opposite reaction where I appreciate the game more as I've learned more about it, like mm-hmm. now that it's done, um, which is really interesting because that's um, not the way it usually goes. Um, but uh, I would like if, uh, as we're talking about the game, maybe we can interweave some of our takes on how this is done, how some of these elements might be done in souls likes in general. And maybe at the end we can a- answer the question. Everyone's been asking like, should you make your game? A souls like or is that even something you should pursue because they definitely did here <laughs> as i'm sure we'll get to i'm doing my best not to answer the question <laughs> and leave it sit for well 40 if you minutes. have if you have an initial impression that could be good because i can ping off of that probably as we go through some of the elements in lies of p we should probably just go into the elements let's then. do it yeah go straight into the elements. so as you mentioned it is a souls like uh, which has a lot of baggage attached to it. And some games are called Souls-like, and they're like, eh, sort of, right? Like Remnant from the Ashes, a lot of time gets like lumped in with Souls-likes. But you're like, is it just the bonfires? Like, it's using random tiles and stuff. So it's like, what's the... Is it the is it currency? <laughs> like, what's the Souls-like part of it? There's right? a dot. There's a roll button. Uh-huh. Um but Lies of P is very heavily in the camp of we are not pretending to be anything but this, I think. Um, no. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing mm-hmm. if you're following a model of like, hey, this works. Because it's very distinct. Like, I wouldn't say this is... Like, I wouldn't confuse this with Dark Souls. Yes. At any point. I wouldn't be mm-hmm. like, oh, this is a FromSoft IP. Uh, it is an entirely separate thing. But you do see a lot of the Dark Souls identity as far as Anything you're familiar with, health, stamina, bonfires, um, Estus flasks, yeah. dodge rolls, um, parrying, mm-hmm. that thing that uh, wasn't around before Dark Souls. Um, having big bosses that you kind of have to learn their moveset for. I think a lot of those things do still carry over. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the ways it really sets itself apart is it is a lot more linear and yes. a lot more story driven. That is entirely true. I would agree on both counts. Because like, if you go back and play Dark Souls 1, you'd be like, man, it's cool how some of these areas are connected. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Right. Um, My wife actually, uh, she stopped playing Dark Souls 1 because 
right from the get-go when she got out of the asylum she went to the uh to the catacombs mm-hmm. and like made progress in the catacombs i think until she got to the checkpoint i was just like i didn't know about this like at the time but you could say it's a legitimate criticism against dark souls 1 some people call it a pro. I would say all of the people who are really enthusiastic about it would call it a pro. But you can just get yourself lost in a place you do not belong in Dark Souls 1. You can't do yeah, that in Lights of It's not necessarily friendly for a newer gamer experience. Because mm-hmm. like I, I've played games where I'm like, oh, this is intuitive to a degree because I've played enough games. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody else who's less familiar with that genre or gaming in general would just hit a roadblock and they're like, Oh fuck! What now? I'm like, oh, just press E on everything. Or look around, explore, talk to an NPC. Mm-hmm. Um, just ways to approach the thing. But is it like, is it better to do things like Liza P does, where you have this forward path? If there's a side path, it's just to go grab an item or something like that, right? It's a very brief side path. Generally, there's not really these branching decisions to be made where the game could get more difficult more, more difficult rapidly mm-hmm. um, because you picked the hard path. Like, that's not even an option. Is that better for gaming, or is it is it worse? I think that's too broad of a question to say it's better for gaming as <laughs> a whole. I'm trying to be controversial. <laughs> I know. I, he's, he's trying to trip me up like my goddamn politician. Uh-huh. Um, you're just but like, what, I would, do what think... would that third state be? Is it better or worse? Are those the two? It's the same. It's uh, it's equal. Everything's fine. Everything's equal. Mm-hmm. But no, I'd say it's better for going back to like something that's more story driven, mm. because stories typically are told from beginning to end. Right. When you have a more linear game, they can't jump to chapter seven unless they've hit chapter six. You know, mm. so you can really set the order of things if that's the experience you want the player to have. Now, Dark Souls obviously still has a story. But a lot of that is from item descriptions. You go back and figure it out later. Yes. And then you you have more of like a deeper meaning because you're so starved for information that when you get it, you're like, okay, this must be a thing I have to remember for later. There are many people, and I would probably count myself amongst them for like the first playthrough, that when you like go to fight Gwen at the end of the game, it's like, oh yeah, the guy from the intro. And that's your context for yes. what's going on that's right about now. It. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Liza P definitely doesn't fall into that. Uh, they they have a much stronger, I I will say that yeah, a much stronger narrative than what's going on in Dark Souls. But Dark Souls kind of has this embedded loneliness to it that Liza B Liza P doesn't have. Yes, where it's like even in the universe, you're probably not the only chosen undead making this progress track. Right, like they conceptualize multiplayer to the point that you are not really the hero, mm-hmm. um, and obviously taking that all the way through to Dark Souls three in ways that I'm not going to mention, but it's really cool. And in Lies of P, they keep you from having that sort of like isolated experience by surrounding you with these characters you're going to engage with a lot. Yeah, so like you will still kind of build up your hub world in the same way you would with like Dark Souls one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dark Souls 1 uh, very notably at Firelink Shrine has a very somber tone again yes. with that theme of isolation whereas in Lies of P you're in a fancy hotel mm-hmm. um, it's very pretty inside 
Um, all the NPCs will kind of be around the same thing, can help you with different stuff. There's like a little training area. You can listen to music while you're there, which fits again with the theme of the game. Um, and yeah, everything's always so interconnected as far as when you leave the hotel, you're going into a town, you're going to a different part of the town, you're going into like a factory nearby. Mm-hmm. Um, everything feels contiguous enough as part of like the same world. Um, but will have its own kind of spin on it. And none of the levels are like huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was thinking of that when I was playing through it, I think dark souls and Sekiro, they're both games that oftentimes throw significant challenges. I mean, obviously the boss fights are always going to be the most significant challenges as they should Mm -hmm. be, but those games could give you a pretty significant challenge on the way to the boss fight. Sometimes there'd be something you had to figure out some way you could get ambushed, something like that. Um, there's not much of that in lies of P. Uh, there's like, a, there, there are definitely situations you can die outside of a boss fight. I don't think I'm like a pro gamer or anything like this. It's just, it's not as difficult until you get to the boss fight, especially since the areas are shorter and they are, if anything, even more um, generous with their their save points, their bonfires, in this oh, case, yeah. stargazers. I'd say it's one hundred percent an easy game in comparison. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is just shade against all of the difficulties I had on boss fights. <laughs> I I believe I had more difficulties than you as far as like attempts for boss fights because I was stupid and went a strength build uh, versus what I saw what you're doing with decks. I'm like Jesus Christ, I really fucked up. Um, that's generalized gameplay advice for our listeners. You guys, you guys, we we are the strategy kind. I understand that. Just play a dex build the first time you play any game. It's always going to be easier. It's it's a pretty safe bet. Um, but yeah, I do think it was relatively easy in comparison to some other Souls likes I've played. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like that in the moment. Um. Yeah, even the first boss. I don't want to tell you how many attempts it took, mm-hmm. but I got there and I beat the whole game eventually. I just needed to find uh, really the rhythm. Yes, and this is one of those things like with Sekiro where you do have to learn the boss fights mm-hmm. to be like, oh, this is my damage window. This is my blocker parry window. Right. Um, I, mean, I guess that's true of other Souls-like titles like Dark Souls as well, Mm -hmm. but it feels less obvious in Dark Souls. Like, there's very telegraphed things for, like, when you can block and parry to the point that, like, they really strongly encourage it Mm -hmm. for a lot of your boss and enemy encounters, whereas you really don't have to do that in Dark Souls. You can use magic. You can use... Just wait and you swing your big ass weapon because mm-hmm. uh, you know how long it takes you to swing it. So you're like, this is probably a good time at this distance, right? Yeah, um, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting where it lands as far as like that tempo that you mentioned, right? Because like Sekiro, Bloodborne, um, Dark Souls three to an extent, they're all games where you can like very much be aggressive, or you're actually rewarded for being hyper aggressive. As yeah. long as you don't overextend, you're rewarded for that. Obviously, Bloodborne with the rally mechanic. Um, Dark Souls 2 is kind of the standout one for me. And this is one of the criticisms some people have of the game, is that it's like relatively turn-based, where it's like 
you're going to make your attack, but it's going to be a big swing. It's going to have a long animation. I will now make my attack back to defensive, back to offensive, back to defensive, right? Um, and I think Lies of P threads the needle pretty well with their system. I didn't. Was that a... I wasn't sure if thread was meant to be a pun. Um, ah. Oh, yeah. Puppets. Yes. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um, but there's is they, they use a defensive balance. Right. It's it is a combination. It's definitely inspired by Bloodborne. I think it would be crazy to claim anything, but um, but it's like a defensive option. So in Bloodborne, if you took damage, you could attack the enemy to get your health back. In Lies of P, if you block damage, you still take the damage. But um, as long as you don't take unblocked damage, so you're just holding your, your, your weapon up, you tank it a little bit. Now you can counterattack and get your health back. Yeah, the rally still does exist in that case. Mm-hmm. Guard um, regain is what they call it in this one. Yes. Yeah. But it, it's good though. I think it's I actually the the more I thought about it, the more I actually enjoyed that mechanic. Because it's really boring to just hold a 100 percent resistant shield in Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not always an answer to every problem, but it's the most passive answer that exists. And this one, it doesn't even like pretend that it's the best way to do it. There's still perfect parrying. But guard regain, it gives you that little timer. Your health bar is still being chunked away as you're blocking these attacks. You have to find an opportunity to counterattack and get that health back. Yes. And I think encouraging people to attack is always good. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, people could, you know, spend five minutes just being like, oh, what what are the move sets? Where are the uh, openings for me to attack? Yada, yada. Those people are boring, and I hate them. <laughs> me? I throw myself at the wall like some uh, al dente spaghetti, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to get in there. Uh, I want to get my ass beat a couple times. Like, okay, I got to be less aggressive here. Or I can maybe punish here. Right. Um Dave and but, I have different approaches <laughs> when it comes to bosses. Dave can attest this because he almost he saw most of my Lies of P playthrough. I was like streaming it for him. Um, and it's like, all right, new boss. And I just start circling it and not attacking at all and just dodging attacks and things to try to learn them. I'm like not even in. This is the throwaway attempt. We're not even trying to kill the boss right now. <laughs> oh, my God. This guy's probably using phantoms. You heard me. <laughs> um, I did for Elden Ring, but. Yeah, I don't think either of us used any type of uh, assistance mechanic in this. Not which... for a successful run. I, I used the Spectre for one attempt on a boss. But oh, yeah, this... I, I tried it out too, just to be like, what is this? Yeah. But it wasn't, it did not help me clear the boss at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also played through the game twice, so back off, Dang. everybody. All right. Um, twice as an expert as I am at this. But I was going to say, towards the aggressive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously need to be pretty close to be able to get your attacks in. Um, so while you're up close, at some point, like you're going to lose your window of opportunity to hit them for free. Mm-hmm. They're going to start an animation go trying to hit you. Uh, do you want to dodge away? You could. Or you can perfect parry their attacks. So both you hitting them and doing perfect parry is going to work towards breaking that poise. Mm-hmm. So like in Sekiro with an enemy, you could see that uh, meter build up. And you're like, oh, now they're broken, and I can just hit them for free, right? They've used all their stamina blocking, now they're fucked. Um, whereas this, for every enemy, it has basically an invisible 
a meter. But when it's they're about to be able to be broken, it'll kind of highlight their health bar in white. Mm-hmm. And then if you use a strong attack, it will break them and they can go in for your critical attack. Right. It's a but little it bit feels it feels good. Yes. It's it's a little bit more depth than just Dark Souls. Because mm-hmm. Dark Souls had the same po- like poise or posture mechanic. Um, but without the requirement to follow up with a heavy attack. And that can lend some intricacy to the actual fight because when their health bar is white, that doesn't mean that they're in like a downed susceptible state. Mm-mm, that just means no. you have to find an opportunity to land that heavy attack. Yes. And I was using a weapon it, that couldn't do it. You're missing a decent <laughs> chunk of damage. Uh-huh. Because critical attacks can do a lot, a lot of damage. Yes. Um, and there's ways that you can like customize it to make it even even stronger. Um, as far as like the skill tree is concerned, so there are a lot of mechanics uh, in Lies of P. I think you in your in your drive by there at the beginning, you mentioned a lot of the ones that were very Dark Souls esque, um, or things lifted straight from Dark Souls. Um, it does a lot that's unique as well. Some of it lands better than others, I think. Uh, what were your impressions of the the hilt and haft uh, system for for weapon usage? And how would you describe it also? I'm going to steal a little bit of Donkey's take on this because I wasn't thinking about it until I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he actually brings up a good point. Uh, so basically what it is is you have, from the beginning of the game, three starter weapons you can pick from. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't like the one you had, like the first shot person would be like, do you want to buy the other starter weapons? You're like, eh, maybe. So I bought all of them mm-hmm. uh, my first playthrough because I'm like, which one feels good? What do I like to do? Uh, but the weapons are essentially broken into two pieces. One is the blade, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be your stat scaling as far as like, oh, this one is better with strength. This one's better with technique. And then your handle or hilt, which is going to be for the move set, right? Mm-hmm. So you can take a rapier move set but put on like a a strength thing. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, um the blade will also deal with like the quickness of the attacks. So you can't take, oh, rapier hilt, uh-huh. giant fucking sword and go like Ka-da-da-da-da! I tried it really quickly. <laughs> um it it was everyone's hope. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of cool to be able to mix and match your options to see, hey, I wonder what this would be like. Maybe I can find a cool thing. Uh Donkey's point on this was it is a cool system, but you find so many weapons and things throughout the game mm-hmm. that, like, honestly, after, like, the first two hours, you probably have a custom weapon you like mm-hmm. or a specific weapon type as far as dagger, uh, medium sword, or, like, big-ass weapon where you're like, this is kind of where I feel comfortable for my build and my playthrough, right? Yeah. So at a point, you kind of just stop experimenting mm-hmm. because... At that point, like you haven't upgraded those weapons as much. Um, so even if the moveset is all right, you're like, I'm going to stick with the thing I know and stealing the most damage right now instead of spending a lot of money trying to invest in another weapon. I do think there is one mitigating fact to that, and that is Lights of P is very generous with like the crafting uh, ingredients. Just like in Dark Souls, you'll reach a point where you can farm most of them, I think. Um but you don't really have to. They give you a lot. Lies of P progression is very fast compared to Dark Souls. Um, and like th- that's honestly, you can you can tell that just by like playtime. I think the average playtime to, to beat the game 
even doing some side stuff is around uh, 30 hours, give or take. It sounds about right. And for Dark Dark Souls, if you're going through like a little bit slowly, it can take 100 hours um, to go through. So this is a much faster game. A part of it is because it is mostly linear. Um, but I didn't feel like if there was a weapon that I wanted to start upgrading, I didn't feel there was a massive gap to upgrading it. And they do the thing where uh, once you progress enough with a vendor, they'll have um, infinite amounts of whatever lower tier upgrade materials exist. But there was the issue of I found something I liked and I was happy with it. And then nothing else that I was getting was so cool. Yeah. I really wanted to swap until I just found some boss weapons which completely sidestep the system. They're not craftable. They just function exactly like they do in Dark Souls. And then I was like, ah, I'm going to talk about this on the episode. (laughs) Yeah. Because I initially, you know, started with like a strength, the default weapon. I might have changed around a little bit. Uh But once I found a cool boss weapon that I liked, maybe like four or five bosses in, I'm like, oh, this is my thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to really change it up at this point. And they have cooler movesets. They can do cooler things. Yeah. I also forgot to mention that another part of weapons is you have your light attack. You have your heavy attack. Surprise, surprise. Uh, You also have something called a fable meter, Mm -hmm. which is a little blue thing that charges under your stamina. And you will essentially have two uses for it. Uh, One will be your block and Y. Another one will just be Y. And it will vary per the weapon. So one might be... uh, hey, this will be like an extra little counterattack bonus. Maybe we'll want to be a huge honking attack, right? But they do different things, uh, and it feels good to also play around with those. Mm-hmm. But also, if you find one you like, you're like, I kind of want to keep doing this. Yeah. And they, a I, lot I, of them do have very cool animations. Oh, yeah. It, the comparison for people who play Dark Souls is they are pretty much weapon arts. But yes. they're more dramatic i think on average than weapon arts uh, discounting the whole flurry dance with the scythe from ashes of oriandel but um in general they look pretty cool uh, you should be using them and unlike um unlike in in dark souls you build back uh this energy that you're using for uh these these uh, style attacks um by just dealing damage by making normal attacks so dave called me out on it a couple times in the playthrough where it's like sure is just like a full bar of resources isn't it you know you're just you got, how, how many more times you just hit them when you could be generating resources I'm like fine i'll use a special attack and they're always super effective it's the right idea but um i like liza p take on it and i like that they come from the uh the hilt of your weapon uh both each piece contributes one uh one of the attacks because that allowed that fed into the mix and match back when I was using a custom weapon. I had this glaive handle, which had, gave me this cool like charge ability. And like I'm sure Dave got tired of seeing it because I used it for like every single attack. I'm like, oh, I'm going to step a couple of feet away, charge this up, and I'll move in as part of the special attack. I guess that was just the heavy moveset, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But the specials were big, too. Um there were some weapons I didn't even really want to try because I was like, I'm never going to use any of these specials. So Yeah. The special weapon arts also, um, I don't think all of them, but at least the ones I were using, was was using. Mm-hmm. I will give you some armor as well. So you can still do most of the attack, if not the entire thing. 
uh, and still be attacked in the middle and not really get interrupted, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I know. I like how I've said all of this, and now I forgot to mention, oh, there's also another arm that can do attacks. <laughs> yes. We haven't gotten to the... Uh... The prosthesis. <laughs> the god hands. <laughs> um, I would like to move past that, though, because I feel like we're going very hard on mechanics. That's sure. That's 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 fair. Um, I would just mention as a as a skipping in passing. Oh, look at that thing out the window. Yeah. Um, it's very similar to Sekiro's prosthesis uh, in a lot of ways, but generally more offensive. And it's not a bad thing. I don't hate that they included it. Um, there's some cool stuff you can do with it. But uh, outside of mechanics, what really caught your eye or is notable about the game Lies of P? I'll be honest. The first record I got, Feel, just made me... Feel? So... <laughs> it made me feel, yeah. <laughs> I felt somber, but not like sad. It's like a... Like a happy beauty that kind of makes you tear up a little bit. Yeah. It's a banger song. I'm putting it in the edit for sure. <laughs> um, Do you even have the edit? Didn't you get the edit last week? Dave's going to put I'm it in the edit, the edit while, motherfucker. while I'm working on it. <laughs> You're going to send it to me to post. I'm going to do my own edit. Be like, Jake, send me back uh-huh. to you to check this out. <laughs> but no, like um, as you're going back to the hub to maybe upgrade a weapon, maybe switch out some weapon parts, maybe do your uh, upgrades to... Um, enhance your abilities mm-hmm. and I like that the upgrade tree only and makes you better at certain things but does not flat out make you better it's like hey if you're good at attacks and good at counterattacks this will be better for you right right but it doesn't just flat out give you a damage boost or make you stronger by default mm-hmm. um, but as you're going through and maybe catching up with NPCs for recent events like you can have this music playing on in the background and you can listen to a bunch of different tracks. Um, and I don't think you can get all of them in one playthrough. No. Um, but I think there's one side quest that's literally an either or. Yeah. Um, the game has a new game plus. There you go. It's not really a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> Every game has a new game. <laughs> that's plus. right. I did my second game. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it just really helps build out the world. And some characters are definitely more interesting than others. Mm-hmm. Um but that is something that definitely got me immersed. The music, yeah. Yeah, I would second that. The music's, the music's quite good. And um, I think some games, they get a little bit of a rap for putting the player in a position where they need to stand still while something happens. And you don't strictly just have to stand in front of the, uh, the, the phonograph here and like listen to it. But um, is that what those are called? The old name for it? Phonograph? Right, right yeah. Um. But you could, and I didn't hate that. There's a little bit of uh, uh, not OCD. What's the uh, attention deficit disorder? ADHD, sort mm-hmm. of uh, stimulus, and that you see like the record playing. If you have the UI open, it just spins there in place, which is nice. And they have some art for each of the records, which is cool. Um, but they're also just very pretty songs, and you you can walk around, you can do training, you can talk to people, as you mentioned. But I didn't hate just sitting there listening to it either, um, which almost got to the point where I actually considered it a point against the game that so much of these records and like really standout pieces were not things you encountered through standard gameplay. Um, 
but there is That's some the sections. juxtaposition, Jacob. <laughs> it's fair. I mean, it's... the outside is chaos. The hotel is your sanctuary. I think that's fair. And there is a section toward the end of the game where they do have a track that is reminiscent of what you would hear on the on the record player. But if you want like that kind of soul music or really like uh, heartfelt instrumental um, that just could not possibly be a background track, they put it on the record player. Yeah, it's, it's VV good. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I will also say uh, Liza P has definitely had um, very unique bosses. Mm-hmm. So there's basically like some humanoid people you encounter who are kind of like you. And then there is a bunch of random shit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of which are still puppets. Um, because part of the plot of the game is puppets have gone crazy. Oh, we got to figure out what's happening. And trying to help people out, right? Yeah. So, like, your very first boss, the tutorial boss, is a parade clown mm-hmm. that's bad and is attacking you. Um, trying to th- remember what's after that. No, There's a the, the policeman. Yeah, so it's a policeman. He's, like, a constable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of, like, you know, walking around like a humanoid, he's on all fours and charging at you. Um, it's worth mentioning, since you're talking about the puppets here, they do kind of remind me a little bit of, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of in, a lot of ways puppets can be depicted, but I kind of thought of the automatons from, like, Bioshock Infinite mm-hmm. a little bit while I was playing through. They have some of that, like, janky movement and stuff, and there's a lot of variety in the puppets you face, but that's definitely a segment of them. Yeah, it feels like not first iteration automaton, but, like, third or fourth uh-huh. generation? It's the um, one before Detroit become human, basically. Oh, it's not. It's they're not they're well, far. they're well far away from that. Um, but uh, yeah, we've we've covered a lot without talking about the story at all. Um, and so before we talk about the story at all, <laughs> the the other thing I wanted to call out were the locales. Um, so the game is very pretty. Um, it looks really good, uh, and. Uh, that was the one point you, you said like you weren't going to confuse this game with Dark Souls. And I was like, I actually I kind of agree as long as any of the characters are on screen. But otherwise, there are some locales here that like they look really good. Um, and I could see them in a Dark Souls game. They probably look better than Dark Souls does, though. That's kind of the. Oh, trick. infinitely. Dark Souls <laughs> looks like shit. Um, but yeah, like there are some kind of. Here's it's a little bit marshy. There's some trees. There's some uh, destroyed buildings. I'm like, yeah, Dark Souls. Yeah, there's a poison. There were some of those for sure. So you you know it's a Miyazaki yes. game. Yeah. Um, but then like the the clock tower and the stuff mm-hmm. in the church was like, Mwah. oh yeah. I thought it was really cool stylistically at least. Yeah, they have a the the city is Krat, um, and uh, it just has this really cool. Um, oh man, I don't know anything about actual culture. Like post-Victorian steampunk is what what I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. That's probably wrong. That's what I'm gonna say. Um, that just it's it's just excellent. There's a lot of times where if a game has like good outdoor areas, you're like, ah, oh, this kind of sucks going back inside. Um, but then they have places like the Grand Exhibition Hall and all of these like fully realized locales, and it's like there's a big contrast. There was a contrast for me when I was playing the game. I was like, all of these locations feel like really cool and well-designed and world-building and all of this and i was like 
why did they just take all the mechanics from Dark Souls? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like it, it felt like they had the ingenuity to do what they wanted to do. And they could have done something separate, but they pulled a lot of that in. But I don't want that to detract. The locales are like, they did their own homework for that. Yes. Uh, I very much like, uh, towards the end of the game, you're very much still kind of in one area. Mm-hmm. But as you keep progressing, it keeps kind of evolving in a way, uh, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Now, Hori, I just thought was very pretty. Oh, yeah. Well designed. You know what we should do? We should have like a home stretch, like a last 10 minutes of the episode or something and be like, all right, now we're going to talk about what it all meant. Here's all the spoilers. Uh-huh. Here's the in-game stuff. That'll be the, the home stretch cutoff because there is some there is some cool stuff there I want to get to. But um, who do you play as in this game? <laughs> Uh, you play as you are Geppetto's puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, uh, some some lady wakes you up. You're just kind of like asleep in a chair. You find your little helper, Gemini, who's really just there to narrate some pieces. Because mm-hmm. um, you don't talk. You occasionally do like a nod. Um, I accept your side quest, yes. Uh-huh, um, yes. You have those strong neck muscles of someone who's been doing side quests for their entire life. <laughs> Uh, but basically, she's like, hey, uh, come to the hotel. I can explain more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to fight your way through the parade master to get there. Uh, but a key part is, as we know with all uh, mechanics since iRobot, mm-hmm. uh, the theory of robotics and all that, uh, basically you need to have certain laws for robots to follow. Yeah. Uh, one of them in this game is that robots cannot lie. Mm-hmm. So the the robot door at the beginning asks you, hey, like only humans are allowed into this building are you a human or a robot? And you're like, I'm a human, right? So immediately now you're lying, which is something that in general, robots cannot do. Yeah. Um, I really so you love... essentially have some extra, you're, you're robot plus, right? Mm-hmm. You have the ability to do more. Um, and as you progress through the game, you get more opportunities to lie or basically mm-hmm. make choices. Some of those will be side quest related, whether or not you want that record or something else. Um, but some of it is also just, I'd say kind of a feeler for who you want to be, who mm-hmm. you're RPing as. Yeah. Cause somebody might ask you like an innocuous question of like, Hey, I'm kind of a shady character. Uh, do you want to tell me where a safe haven is? And you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. Right? Uh-huh. I just met you. Uh, and I was told before I should not be bringing people here. Uh-huh. Um, and other situations like that. Yeah, I, I want to mention specifically for that first encounter with the, the lie door. I love it for world building because this is a city where the puppets are, it's called the puppet frenzy, where they're killing everyone, right? Like as soon as you get off of the train you start on, you see all these corpses. And there were points in the game that are like the terrain is just so covered in blood. Like I thought of Diablo and Doom <laughs> and I'm like, this is this is a puppet game, right? Like, why is this so freaking violent? Um, but the thing I love about the door is it just it so it's so like weird, right? It's so incongruous is the word I'm looking for, because this isn't like a traditional security system. It's just like, well, if you were a puppet, you'd have to tell us, right? Like, that's it. I'm a cop. All right, I'm a yeah, cop. Yeah, you're a cop. You're sorry. Good. Let me in. Yeah. Um, and so it does so much for world building that first lie, and then it, it is. I think the only mandatory lie in the game. Yes. 
you have to lie to proceed. Um, but it was it is cool, and I will say this is a little behind the peek behind the curtain. The whole lie process is uh, called the lie system because um, it is a mechanic within the game as well, which we'll probably talk about in the last ten minutes. I assume. Um, but you're basically tasked with kind of you know going out and dealing with the puppet frenzy because. I mean, granted, um, if you put a human version of automaton, you've seen what's happened to the humans. They're kind of getting fucked up. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, a lot. And you have some combat capabilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're smarter uh, than a standard puppet. So you go and find Geppetto uh, to see if he can help. And he's just like, hey, uh, shit's fucked. We got to, you know, go try and deal with uh, these certain puppets. Can you help me out? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're just not. Um, and then you're kind of going through and taking out these uh, bosses as you you progress through the game and try and find out more information about what's going on oh yeah yeah I think um, it's also worth noting that like you're pretty much always a sympathetic character like we've talked about lying and things like that and you can choose to be like a little bit more roguish or not but like you're definitely playing as a hero and when you're sent off on these quests, it's like, hey, there's the critical path. Go deal with that guy or this gang or whatever, right? It's always to, like, save somebody or avoid some catastrophe or they had it coming to them or something like that. <laughs> and um, and so it's not like the game is giving you the mass effect. Oh, this is a good decision. Here's, like, the evil decision. Right. Like, Pinocchio's face is going to crack if, you know, you make these decisions. Um, nothing like that, but I do agree that it it does help with like the role playing a bit when you're going through the game and you're given some of these decisions about who to trust, who to take along and, um, bring back to camp and things like that. Uh, Camp in this case is a hotel. It's not a camp. (laughs) It's as far away from a camp as possible. (laughs) I'll beat you back at camp. Uh All right, cool. Um, but it, it, it is good and the boss fights. Uh, I know we had a little break from talking about mechanics, so I'm not going to jump back in too much, but they do force you to learn the way that the game kind of like would would like you to play um, and heavily encourages that you play. <laughs> uh, Dave saw plenty of instances of me resisting that with, <laughs> with, with everything in my being. I was just Dodge is a perfectly acceptable lifestyle, Dave. <laughs> just because you don't accept me doesn't mean they won't. Now nah, you should be you should be blocking and ideally perfect blocking a lot of things, but yeah, yeah. But it feels good though. Uh, just kind of like I think we mentioned this before to each other uh, off podcast. Mm-hmm. But the Mikuri counter in Sekiro is so mm, yeah, it's so rewarding. Because like somebody's coming at you with a spear, front on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to dodge it. No, no, no. I'm going to go into it and step on his spear into the ground. Uh-huh. And fuck up his poise and then kick him in the ass. And it, it feels really good because it's just like, a, I know what you're going to do. Yeah. And you just kind of hand deflect. So in the same way, when you're landing these perfect parries, you're like, oh, I know the moveset. Mm-hmm. And then you're, of course, rewarded by getting more of that poise block mm-hmm. into being able to help you do a critical attack. Yeah, and it, it drains really cool. It drains none of your stamina. You take no health damage. Mm-hmm. It is full mitigation if you time these uh, parries right. You just can't be holding the block button, <laughs> which is a lot easier to do in a lot of circumstances. 
Um, but out of uh, curiosity, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a spoiler if we t- tell any of these names. Sure. Uh, just the names alone. Which was the hardest boss for you to get into the groove of? Ooh, that's a good question. So the big green monster is very high up on the list for me. And based off the number of comments I saw on the wiki, uh, a lot of other people as well. <laughs> um, and then there was like a couple people that were like, this boss was no problem. Or they just gave like some really straightforward uh, blurb about how they beat it. And these comments are just downvoted massively by the people <laughs> who just cannot beat these bosses. I love that, by the way. That's 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 the kind of community you want to foster. Um I think that's the answer for me. Do you recall uh, a boss that was particularly difficult for you? Or did it all just mash together? I mean, I definitely spent a decent number of retries on Big Green Monster. But the one I have the most memories of just like doing that same run back to the boss door every single time Mm -hmm. is the King of Puppets fight. Ah, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, Again, I should not have picked a heavy weapon. That was on me. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I got to a point like where I learned uh how to parry like everything. I just felt like I wasn't dealing damage. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite fights still. Very cool. But not as cool as uh Latraxia. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we Coolest are we are fight. almost there. Before we spoil that boss, everyone's going to spoil territory. How many main bosses do you think? are in the game. Um, And I will say to qualify main bosses, it's pretty much none of the people are bosses. Like the, they would be hunters in Bloodborne. They're called like, um, what was the word here? There's a bunch of words for it, but survivors and people out there. 11? That's pretty close, I think. So we've got three by one. 15 15 total okay yeah including the uh the boss that you don't have to fight if you choose a different ending at the end of the game (laughs) um but they are really good i i do think that um they have some good variety to them the one thing i would say is not the best about some of the bosses is that they share a move set but i also didn't hate that because the part of my brain that was like you know this move set already just take the win like you can deal with this you know how to dodge it or parry it or whatever was like excellent i'm glad they're reusing movesets i liked when they did it because at least with the big green monster fight like it there was a reason why the moveset was the same right Mm -hmm. yeah i thought that was cool a cool tie-in that was cool and if you're gonna use reuse content in your game like make an in-universe justification for why things are operating the same way if you do that, that's all it takes for me. But we're we're engaging go Release mode. Release me. Release me. Yeah, if you're not if you're not sold on the game now, I mean, I guess you could stick around and t- hear spoilers, but we're we're going full spoilers. If not, check it out. It's on Game Pass. Um and we will see you in the next episode. But for the people who stick around, what's the thing you most want to spoil, Dave? We're talking about that's spoilerific. So, I really thematically Truly the coolest boss fight is definitely the last one, which is optional, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I guess, the the empty puppet or um, 
where your body's supposed to go into. Mm-hmm. It's also fucking teased at the uh, King of Puppets fight. Like you see yes. this awkward stage play, and you're like, "What's what's that about?" I completely missed. And it. I I was watching you watch it. I was just like dead silent. Uh-huh. You're like, That's weird. I'm just like vibrating my seat because it's because of the tone as it's portrayed yeah. in that fight. Is they think that you're you think that they're just mocking you or taunting you or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You don't think it like you're not attributing other characters to the roles of you know Geppetto taking out your heart and putting it over here or something. It's just a taunt. But that was brilliant. I I do think that was one of the things in the game that was brilliant. Also, I probably should have. I wasn't super surprised that like Geppetto turned out to be like a dick, yes, uh, and evil. Mm-hmm. But I was not expecting him to you know bring a puppet out of the box and then have it fight you with fucking scissors. Uh huh. Which is that was actually just super cool. Funny. The whole thing was really cool. His weapon, also the the weapon you can get from it. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up real quick, uh, but it has some metal name. Um, uh, Proof of humanity is the scissors. Ooh. It's like a big old weapon, which is like it's all just allegorical stuff. You're like giant scissors, cut the strings. Proof of humanity. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it was a cool fight. I would say uh, the one thing I was a little less of a fan of was the final phase for like nameless puppet it's very like anime and there's so yes. many bright red lights all it over the very place anime. the only reason that like i could i could get so many parries off and blocks and stuff like that um was because it just attacks so fast you can just mash the button pretty much <laughs> very close to it um and that's about how fast they're attacking um i really like victor too but I don't want to, you know, go through all of the bosses. Romeo was very cool. I thought Victor was alright. Yeah, he was fun. He was a fun mechanics fight. Um, and we mentioned this, but it's the first time, like, we, when you parry and when you hit an enemy with a strong attack and they're being like guard or staggered. Um, uh, sometimes towards the end of the game, they'll like counter attack you and then go into a position where you can actually do the critical hit. And Victor, I think, is the first character that does that. Where he's just like, oh, you just you hurt me. Well, I'm gonna like crush you first and then stagger on the ground. Yeah, you're so like your instinct is, oh, I broke that. But let me go in for the critical. Uh huh. And he's like, I'm not done yet. Yeah. And the name, I'm gonna say the full name for the thing. There was literally green monster, so we did name drop it. But the phase two that's actually difficult is called puppet devouring green monster, which mm-hmm. is. I'm just a fan of Edge in general, so <laughs> so I'm there for that. Um, you mentioned Geppetto though, and like, uh, he he was the character. I honestly, I honestly like. I he he has a little bit of the had to become a cartoon villain at the end, but I was suspicious of him from the beginning because he was soft spoken protagonist. Like he's a soft spoken, sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. That guy, I know what you're doing, right? And then at the end of the game, they actually have the voice actors speak a little differently, a, a bit more maniacally, a little bit more villainous. Um, and you can just tell, you can just tell it. You're like, right, this is the kick the dog moment, right? <laughs> Where they about to make him real evil. Did you was see there an NPC that you particularly were a fan of, whether it was theming or just your interactions with them, or maybe a side quest? Um, so I think the answer I gave when I was playing through was Alidoro. And also, 
Red Fox. I think Red Fox is my answer. Jake's a furry. Well, I don't think so. I don't oh, think that, so. that was a pause. I'm going to edit it to be a longer pause. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have competing edits here where I'm just going to be like, I've already published the, the episode. <laughs> you send me over some file. Um, but yeah, I, I like that character because the Red Fox and her brother, Black Cat, are like from opposing factions, basically. Um, they're kind of like fighting each other, just basically gangs. Uh, but they're working together now. And um, she's just, he's the douchebag that's obviously the douchebag. And she's the manipulative one that's nice to you. And apparently that's what gets me, I guess. <laughs> it's just the manipulative one that's nice to you. Um, but I also like that, like, they spend the game not really ever helping you out. Although they kind of like pretend to or pretend they're on your side and stuff. But if you were only ever nice to them anyways, like if you were still in their corner, you didn't like turn on them or do anything like that. Then at the end of the game, you can be rewarded by like them choosing not to fight you. You can also fight them and just kick their ass. They're they're really weak. It's it's fair. But I mean, like from from a character perspective. These are the these are people who are literally paid to stop you from mm -hmm. challenging the big big bad boss, and it's just like no no you've been building rapport with them the whole time. That's a cool interaction. I like that. You just walk by and fist bump each other. Uh huh. Going up the big man's upstairs. <laughs> Pretty much, they're just like two coins. Whew. You're like this is this is a third of a harvest, guys. <laughs> should I, should I tell them about the tree? Yeah. Um, right. Um, but the, uh, the, the, one of the things I, I didn't think I didn't give the game a lot of credit for, and I specifically said, like, I don't know why this is a Pinocchio game, right? I alluded to that earlier with something I said on the podcast with like, it could have been its own thing. They have the world building chops it was because I didn't know how many adventures of Pinocchio references were in the game apparently if you actually know the book it's like everything it's a lot and i didn't realize that <laughs> like all of the gangs and everybody who's got an animal mask and you know so many of these characters they're all just there so yeah like at the very beginning of the game they're like hey uh shout out to the work of I forget the name of the guy who did it. Carlo from, something. Carlo Canini? Carlo. Welcome to the House of Panini. Uh-huh. I'll find it somewhere. Um, while Jake's doing that, I will say my favorite NPC was the Riddle Master. Oh, yeah. Because he's kind of weird and out there, but he's kind of like this voice of mystery as you progress through the game. Collodia. We're like... He's annoying, and you obviously know that he knows something. He's just not letting on, right, mm -hmm. about what's going on or how the uh, the world is working. Mm -hmm. And um, then later, like you actually find him in air quotes here in person, um, and he's like, "Yo, I'm out. I just wanted to like <laughs> let you on this information before I peace and just you know turn myself off." Yeah, he's got like a he's knife. Like, I want to let you know, I I murdered this guy's parents. Uh -huh. Love doing it. Um, 
if you if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. <laughs> no, he's also kind of like challenging you throughout as far as like what does it mean to be human? Are you a human or a puppet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were you killing those people back there? Or are those not even people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the interesting options because the game, the lie system, we did the thing we didn't say is the more you lie, the more human-like you become. But one of the questions he asks you is, are you a murderer? Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point in the game, the objective truth is yes. <laughs> it absolutely is yes. But you could lie to him and say no to get more points on this uh, this lie system. Um, but you also are rewarded for picking the correct answers to his questions. So yeah. Um, another part of the lie system is basically you can find a painting of young you, and its nose will grow into a weapon. It's so dumb. Which is it's dumb, but it's kind of cool. Um, also, uh, you pointed this out and I forgot about it, but there is a cat in the hub area yeah. mm-hmm. next to one of the shop people. And initially it, it's not keen on you. If you try and go mm-hmm. up and pet it, it will hiss and swat at you. But as you gain more humanity throughout the game, it starts to like, let you be affectionate with you. You can pet it and at a point you can pick it up mm-hmm. because it doesn't see you as uh, a puppet or some weird robot thing. It sees you as a person. Right. Apparently this cat is okay with people. (laughs) Not all are, but yeah. Um, The other thing we didn't mention was uh, listening to the records also gives you um, humanity. Anytime that you complete listening to one of those tracks, um, which is pretty cool. And the game does tell you whenever there's this shift, it's like the ergo is whispering into like the ergo feels warm into like eventually a heartbeat. Um, if you make a decision at the end of the game, um, which leads into the endings. Um, and this was the other place where it's like, they really had Geppetto have his kick the dog moment. Are you, are you familiar with what happens in the bad ending Yes. for Liza P? Are you familiar with the post game for Liza P? If you haven't done new game plus and the bad ending. I'm gonna let you say it. I'll just say it. Yeah, it's more fun if we just go back and forth and we never actually tell people. Yeah. So in the post game, uh, this is like your heart, your mechanical clockwork heart that has all this ergo and all the components to uh, revive Geppetto's son. In quotes, basically, Um, there's his name Carlo. Uh Let's see what they did. Um, That uh, the nameless puppet will then become Carlo, essentially. Uh, who has no compunctions about killing people whatsoever. And Geppetto has Carlo kill everyone at the hotel because they're the ones who have some idea of what was going on. And he doesn't want anyone to have any idea of what was going on. And in the post game, uh, all of the people you talk to in the hotel, all these nice characters who maybe had side quests or interactions with showed vulnerability to you at some point in the game. They are all replaced by puppets. And they all say something to the effect of, like, how can I serve you whenever you go to interact with them? Oh, okay. So I didn't do that part. I just saw the uh, that he killed everybody thing. Yeah, no, it's it's dark and it's messed up. And it's like mustache twirlingly evil for Geppetto. Um, 
but that's that's fine. It's not the ending I got. I actually got the true ending on my uh, first playthrough, which is not the hardest thing to do if you're just like, I like lying. <laughs> I don't want to be a but, douchebag. But you let Sophia die. Uh-huh. Well, she wanted to. <laughs> She's like, please, <laughs> please, sir, I beg you. <laughs> um, yeah. But basically, you can save her, and she's not in that same state anymore. Yes. That is the true ending, is finding her another puppet body. And Okay, here's your spiritual essence back. Now hold me here while I pass out. <laughs> Listen, uh, I have a thing for uh, blue-haired puppets, apparently. <laughs> oh, between this and Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so overall, I really like the game. Uh, I'm not a fan of the post-game sequence, the uh, the very last cutscene with uh, the teaser for Wizard of Oz. What was your impression on that? Because they basically are are like our next game is going to have Dorothy, at least as a character, and it's going to be he's, it he's was very weird Wizard of Oz. Because like after you do everything, it's like and the credits roll. You're like, okay, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And then like it's somebody talking to somebody else on a train. Mm-hmm. And they're obscured. Um, they shared their name, but of course, it's nobody you've ever met in game. You don't know anybody in universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, it's some other character, right? Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, we'll do this plan for this next thing. We'll need to get the armor of God back. And they're like, oh, don't worry, I already have somebody on it. Mm-hmm. And then you see these uh, ruby slippers mm-hmm. kind of go and then like stop and then click their heels, which. Uh-huh. Is one hundred percent like oh Wizard of Oz reference? It's the thing they say Dorothy too. So yes, like, yeah. Um, so it then becomes: Are they just going to make other games like this, kind of right. off of you know very old but well-known stories mm-hmm. that became like a movie classics in like the fifties, sixties type thing? Things and if have... so, like, is it going to play the same? Is it going to play different? Yeah. Um, I don't know. And this is where, like, I think reality and the fiction inside my head kind of clash. Because the romantic in me is like, I want them, they they clearly can have, be really good at to- storytelling. Telling their own stories, not just remixing characters. Like, they show that they're capable of that in Lies of P. I was convinced of that by the end. Um, but they're making these decisions to use these... Uh, like things where the the copyright or whatever has lapsed and it's just uh whatever the term is we're in the common uh, amongst the people um and they specifically said that the reason that they picked the game to be around pinocchio was because they knew it would help with adoption in like a western audience right Hmm. and like i want to be cynical and i want to be like you guys could have made your own thing and it would have been even better but here's the thing, though, right? Could have been so like cool. A, a Korean studio, uh, yeah, really? South South Korean. Well, obviously, <laughs> well, if it was a no North shit. Korean, no shit, we North wouldn't have heard about studio. it. Right? <laughs> would have been um, a different game. But yeah, it's not like they just said, like they slapped on the face of Pinocchio, like you know this fucker, and went on. Hmm. As you said before, like it really is off of the the original story. Yes, uh, they kept like everything. Um, where was Monster of the Whale? That was from the movie. But mm. it was just really cool. Um, yeah, it was way more than I expected going in. Because mm-hmm. 
anytime you're like, oh, it's a new Souls like, you're like, all right, where did they cop out? Which parts really suck? Hmm. Um, but no, I, um, this was as far as a non from non. I can tell we're at the end of the podcast. Non from soft. Yeah. <laughs> as far as a non from soft uh, Souls like, I think this has been the closest and best one that I've seen to mm-hmm. date. I mean, I haven't really played any other one, so I agree um, uh, for sure. I do want them to do their own thing, though. I don't want them to remix all these old stories forever. Um, it's fine. I would play Lies of D <laughs> when it comes out. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I just I think they have the capability and the storytelling to be able to do it themselves. So they they had that first they had the breakout they were attached to the pinocchio thing they're like you guys you guys like pinocchio right that was, was a freaking disney show you like see the disney movie as a kid and it's like animated and stuff yeah everybody loves that violence um <laughs> so uh we'll see where it goes i'm gonna keep an eye on it the developer is neo Wiz is the name um so if you see anything by them you know maybe see where it goes and we will see you know just release it on Game Pass. That's all I ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you guys have your favorite Souls-like, uh, you should tell us what it is. There's an entire Wikipedia article, apparently. Some people contest that the genre even exists. Some people are dumb. Uh, send us in your favorites, soapstonepodcast at gmail.com, or join the discussion on Facebook full of real boys and only boys. It's very weird. Facebook.com slash Soapstone Podcast. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Make sure to upgrade your P organ. Stop.